Hello and welcome to the REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borks from Quito. As we approach mid-year and as the COVID-19 vaccination rollout continues, many commercial property sectors are reporting encouraging trends in demand. Here to focus on one in particular, office, is my guest, Nadia Settles, head of New York office investment at Newbeam Real Estate. Nadia, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for the invite. So a variety of patterns seem to be emerging regarding returning to work, with some companies advocating a full return, others offering a more mixed approach. How long do you think it will take before we have greater clarity on the future of the workplace? I think it's moving at a schizophrenic pace. And I say that because you think about a year ago, everyone said, all of the major companies said it was, it was highly probable that they wouldn't return to office. And it was going to be this 90 to 95 percent remote work environment. and then. A year later, with vaccinations at the pace that they're at, people, these companies are now saying, and this is the major companies, right? So this is the Goldman Sachs, this is the JP Morgan, this is the Facebook, the Googles. These are the companies that are going to be sort of employment growth uh, movers. And, and, and they're saying now that they are, you know, they've required some dates and set some dates to come back to work. And and there will be some hybrid model. I think you got to continue to get people vaccinated. First and foremost, to important to every employer is their employees' health and safety, right? So they do want to make sure inoculation, that people are inoculated and vaccines are in circulation and accessible to everybody. And I think uh, that that day is coming. Uh, I think, you know, towards the back half of the summer, post-Labor Day, you have a high high percentage of the population that, that's inoculated. And so they've set dates before that, but I think some of that may be voluntary. I think as you get to the back half of the year, you will have a higher percentage in the office. We'll work from home, uh, be it be sort of a dynamic that's a part of the office model for the foreseeable future. I do think that. I just don't think it will be as drastic as people thought, which the majority of your employee base is going to be home. I think there will be something like 15%. I think 85% of the folks will be in an office and you may have 15%. I think there is the idea that you can have this hub and spoke model to where, you know, employees can be in their main office, but you can offer them access to other properties that you may have that may be more conveniently located, or you just spreading out your workforce a little bit. But I think that, you know, you may have, you know, middle or back office folks that you can say, hey, you know, their work may not require as much um, interaction facing with clients or the rest of the team. And they were the ones that were most comfortable being home. But I still think even that there's an element of just protecting your culture, you know, serendipitous moments that you have collaboration that doesn't matter what functional area you work in your space and you're in your employment, you still need to be in an office to be able to bring that to life. And given your expertise in New York office real estate, can you describe the trends you're seeing with regard to leasing, rents and concessions? So the market is certainly improving. As far as rent, you know, we all thought rent was going to take a major dip, and it did. We're seeing about a 10% drop in rents, which is not bad where we thought we were going. Tenant improvements have increased substantially. They're sitting at about between 130 on the low end, $150 a rentable square foot on the high end. Free rent is about 15 to 18 months. So concessions have moved a lot to attract tenants. And that's typically what's going to happen in the downturn is 
I mean, we, we all thought rents rents were going to to drop a little bit more than they have. They've held a little bit, but certainly concessions have moved a lot. I think tenants are ready to commit quicker on space that is readily available on turnkey space. And we've we've seen a lot of that activity already. And, and they want some flexibility on how the deals are structured. And do you see any buying opportunities within the New York office market? So the market has largely been, it hasn't been a lot of price discovery. And, and that was over, call it the last year. Uh, the market kind of froze. There wasn't a lot of transactions to be done. The transactions that did get done were largely, I would call, they consummated during COVID, but they were largely negotiated and done and, and deposits happened pre-COVID. So pricing wasn't indicative of what COVID pricing we thought it would be. The few transactions that actually really did transact during COVID actually held up pretty well. And those there's certainly two buckets, I would call, of the have, have nots. And the haves is those that have buildings that are high quality, great markets, core buildings with credit tenants, and those that are sort of in, in, in their business plan, some leasing to be done, whether it's a redevelopment going on, those are going to not price as well. And for the buildings that did come out that was sort of in that, that, that have bucket, they did well and they came out at the right time. And I think investors uh, showed that they still are willing to go into New York for the right product, even if it was office. And can you talk a bit about the emergence of new property types in New York, uh, life science, for example, and the opportunity that that provides for redeveloping existing assets? Yeah, so certainly, I mean, when you think about life science, it certainly has the tailwinds, and especially when you're talking about in the backdrop of a pandemic. But when you think about New York City and being an emerging market, the supply-demand demand imbalances are certainly favorable for New York City. Boston, for example, which is a mature market, has 20 million square feet. New York City has 2.5. And we have all the talent. We have the universities. We have the NIH funding, which supports you know public research and public funding, and you don't have the supply. And so that's where we see the, 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 the opportunity is that you have all the major companies that are looking for actual physical space to be able to conduct this research. So you have some of the largest pharma companies in the world are located within minutes of Manhattan, right in New Jersey. And these are all names that everyone is familiar with from Johnson & Johnson to Merck to Bristol-Myers, and, and that list can go on. And so with the companies there, the talent here, the infrastructure from just, you know, transit connectivity and, and, and whether, you know, you live in New Jersey and coming into New York or you live in New York, right, you got the connectivity, but you don't have the quality of space that you need to conduct this kind of research. And so that is where the opportunity is at. And I think that sector will continue to grow. And it's really more or less about finding the right buildings that you can convert. It's not so easy to convert a office building to a life science building. You need to ensure the infrastructure is there, right? So you need to have available shaft space. You need to have the proper service elevators. Floor to ceiling heights need to be correct. Mechanical back areas of the house need to be right. Loading dock. And so if you have the right infrastructure, all that will aid in a cost-effective repositioning. And then that's when it becomes feasible to be able to do it. But when you look around New York City in a market that is ripe for this sector, it's like the, the stock is not there in droves. 
And finally, are there any developments or trends that you're watching in New York real estate that could perhaps serve as a bellwether for other U.S. cities? So I think definitely life science. As life science continues to grow, there are other emerging markets that I think will continue to be of interest. And I think the industry is really going to become more of a mainstream interest. I think it's a lot of mainstream investor interest in it, but it hasn't necessarily had the mainstream scale. And so that's interesting because that then can only continue to uh, support various different markets for life science and to be able to be an investable um, asset. So watching that. And as far as just, just companies, the biggest thing is, you know, a lot of companies have been talking about this hub and spoke model. There's been a lot of conversation around whether companies will relocate out of New York. And so I'm watching that trend because that trend could negatively affect New York, right? If I start to see a lot of companies pop up in uh, other cities taking large employment, that certainly will have an adverse effect on New York and New York office. Great, Nadir. Thanks so much for your time today. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. It was a pleasure joining. And to our listeners, for more news and analysis on all REIT property sectors, be sure to visit NERIT's website, REIT.com. 